0: Hey everybody, I'm Greg Soule and this is Why Am I, a podcast where I talk to interesting people and try and trace a path to where they find themselves today. My guest this go around is Loose Ends, or more specifically the co-founders Macy and Jen. These two are friends on opposite ends of the country who have joined forces, you know, like robot cats coming together, uh, to create something they call Loose Ends, which is a nonprofit that aims to ease grief create community, and inspire generosity by matching volunteer handwork finishers with projects people have left unfinished due to death or disability. As you can imagine, it's a pretty powerful story. I am not unaffected by it. At any rate, I hope you enjoy this chat with Maisie and Jen. Welcome, Loose Ends, to the YMI podcast. But Loose Ends is comprised of... Well, I mean, there's, there's two people at the head... Right? You guys are kind of Siamese twins that kind of control the whole operation. And so we have Macy. Hello. And we have Jen. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it, Jen. (laughs) All right. So traditionally how I like to do this thing is basically, and I do this to strangers, believe it or not. I'll sit to somebody, I'll sit down and I'll talk to them for a second and I'll say... Uh, really, really, actually fairly rapidly. Uh, so who are you? Which is very polarizing. I find my people very quickly because some people uh, are into that and some run away screaming. So let's see which kind you are. So Macy and Jen, who are you guys?
1: Which first, who, you know what's helpful? If you tell us which one of us you want to talk first because otherwise we will either, neither of us will talk waiting for the other two or we'll both start talking over each other.
0: Excellent. Yeah. All right. well, then I will always start with you, Macy, because uh, okay. I, I you were deferring to Jen, and I don't want you to cheat and steal any of her uh, any of her items.
1: Okay, <laughs> you don't want me to copy off her paper.
0: No. Okay. Good night. All right, Macy. So, <laughs> so you tell me. Okay. Who you are? Um,
1: hmm, I don't know. I mean, in what sense? Right. <laughs> in you terms of loose ends project, um, I'm a co-founder of the loose ends project. And I'm a mom of three grown slash teenagers. Um, I do graphic design and marketing. And up until we started Loose Ends Project, I did marketing and graphic design for primarily for nonprofits. Um, and since starting Loose Ends Project a year ago, I've pretty much done that for 40 to 70 hours a week. Holy cow. Um, and I'm a knitter, and I'm a, um, what else? I'm a Mainer. Uh, I guess that's it. If I'm throwing labels on myself, that's what I got.
0: You say Mainer. I think you're, like, lighting hard drugs. You're talking about from Maine, right?
1: Mainer. No, M-A-I-N-E-R.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're a Yankee. Like
1: this, uh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. That's, that's
0: what we Southerners call you people.
1: Okay. Yankees. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, <laughs>
0: All right, Jen, well, tell me a little bit about who you are.
2: So uh, I'm a talker and a connector. I'm the kind of person, I think I'm sort of like you. I, uh, I make eye contact a lot with people who decide that they're going to tell me everything about them. Um, and that's really fun, but not great if you're walking with me, and trying to get somewhere. <laughs> um, I uh, I'm also a co-founder of the Lucens Project, and um, I'm a. I've had many different uh, jobs and careers. I've been a salesperson. I've been a trainer. Mostly, I've been an educator my whole life. Um, i've been trained as a teacher sixth seventh and eighth grade high school college uh taught science and math a lot Um, i've taught people how to knit um i have two children one who is finishing high school this year and one who is finishing college this year we hope we think Um, (laughs) And if she doesn't finish this year it's totally fine covid was hard um i have a great great guy that I'm married to who is who builds stuff for a living and uh I'm from I I don't think I would refer to myself as a Seattleite I think if I have to if I have to identify it's mostly I'm a New Jersey girl at heart I grew up in New Jersey and uh that side of my brain comes out a lot um it's fun uh, because it's funny because I I walked down the street and talked to people, made people talk to me. And I had one woman say, Hmm, is this woman mentally ill or is she from the East Coast? And then she was like, <laughs> Oh, she's from the East Coast, that's why she's talking to me. She, for the record, was from the East Coast too, one town over from where I grew up.
0: So, Gotcha. So, mental illness or East Coast, I get it. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I never... I...
2: It was the talking to strangers part. Oh, okay. People, I didn't realize that was like
0: a stereotype for the East Coast. Some people don't
2: like that, and out here we have something called the Seattle Freeze, um, which is there's just people don't talk to strangers that much. So if you do talk to strangers, it's uh, can be kind of off-putting.
0: Interesting. I don't
2: care. It's still going to happen. But
0: well, the stereotype we have uh, down here for like people up in that part of the country is that you're supposedly rude. Like you're you're too busy to. To talk to other people, but that is not the case. I see.
2: I don't think that's the case. I I think um. I might offend Boston, people. But Boston. I mean, maybe. Boston. Boston. They talk to you. It's it's uh, they're not gonna talk a long time, but they are gonna talk. The people. I I lived in Boston for a long time, and I think it is a a kind, not nice type of a thing. They can be kind, they will take care of you, but they will not be nice while doing it. Um, <laughs> you're, uh, I, you experience nice but not kind out here on the West Coast. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm going to go. And on the East Coast, it's more, oh my God, what a moron. Why would you do How did you get yourself into that? Oh, get out of my way. I'll fix it for you. Like that's more how I think. And I don't think north and south, but I think Southerners think north and south more to the thing. Yeah, for sure. I was sure. in Texas once, and they kept saying you're from you're from up north. I'm like, I'm from back east, from back east. And they're like up <laughs> north, and I was like back east. So.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much down here. It's us and them, right? So mm-hmm. if you're not <laughs> from the so south, because it's really only
1: us. Everybody's we're, up there. <laughs> We're trying to change all of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the project is trying really, to really. I mean. All of that.
2: We all live on the same planet and we're all trying to live and breathe with the same earth, waters, you know, like you get, there's no us and them. It's yeah. it's us and not us, like not us being like rocks. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I know for me, people are people. I Everywhere I go, I find kind people. Some just have interesting accents. That's all. Right. All right. Well, you guys have a lot of interesting stuff going on here. So, uh, common threads. I'm looking for those. You're both, you're both parents of Maybe. teenage kids about to embark on college or get out of college. I'm actually in that same boat too. I've got uh, three teenagers. Uh, one's cool. going to be going to college next year, and pretty terrifying. Um, sounds like your kids yeah. survived COVID. Mine's uh, mine. Uh, they kind of lost a whole year of of school i'm assuming the same was for you guys right
2: yeah it it was a a bummer of a year
1: to start three years to say the least (laughs) yeah yeah we figured it out but it was different for everybody i guess
2: i think everybody lost in some kind of way my kid was a senior in high school when it happened and she lost out on all those senior things and closure with her friends My youngest was an eighth grader, so he lost out on, you know, finishing up middle school. Other people who have little babies, they lost out on socializing. There's a lot. I mean, people just lost a lot of time and community.
0: Yeah. I was thinking a lot of people found stuff too, though, uh, in those times and probably kind of in the circle you guys run in, like with crafting and stuff, because I know a lot of people that picked up new and interesting hobbies, and so I'm assuming... I have the feeling you guys have been doing kind of the knitting and crafting and stuff for a really long time, right? You're not you're not newcomers.
2: Uh yeah. I've been knitting since um my grandmother taught me when I was six and I've been coming back and forth to it for years. Um, I taught myself how to crochet out of a book from the library. And I've done like crossed it, I've done a lot of stuff just
1: I need to keep my hands busy.
0: How about you, Macy?
1: Um, I started crocheting when I was a teeny little thing. Like, probably preschool, before school, and then I learned to knit in high school. And Knitting, I love, like, I, I haven't been able to stop. But you're right, we are seeing a lot of our finishers who are signing up are saying that they taught themselves how to do different crafts during the pandemic because they were home. With YouTube and they would order stuff um and it would get shipped to their house and i think i think a lot of the craft stores that were open during the pandemic were considered because in the beginning when we thought that cloth masks were enough um fabric stores were open as like essential stores right they were considered okay to stay open so a lot of people were picking up crafts right At least that was up here. Yeah, yeah. I think people all over were doing crafts and teaching Uh, themselves online.
0: Trying to stay sane. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, another common thread you guys have, uh, you're both co-founders, or I'll just call you guys founders. It feels weird because you're both here. So, it's, you know, the representation of the the dream team is here. So, tell me about Loose Ends and how they got started and... Uh, honestly, I'm curious what it means to each of you individually.
1: Um, Jen, you want me to go first? <laughs> okay, um, so Loose Ends Project is something that we were thinking about for since before the pandemic, but um, just as an idea of someday um, maybe to try it out after having finished projects for our friends who lost their moms. Um, we both had that experience and hmm. multiple times and um, finished those projects for our friends. And and then last summer, Jenna and I were hanging out together on the West Coast and with a mutual friend who had recently lost her mom. And we were going through her mom's bag of things, um, her craft things and just kind of sorting through stuff for her and trying to help her figure out what to keep and what to donate and what was what in there. And we came upon two um, sweaters that her mom, I mean, sorry, uh, blankets that her mom had begun for our friends um, brothers. And Jen and I were going to each take one of those and finish them at that time. But, uh, neither of us love to crochet. We're really knitters. And, um, at that <laughs> time... I, was, I mean, I was I was <laughs> willing to do it for Patty, but it was right. going to be... There See, was going to be a lot of you, hate in that right?
0: You don't so know it, the it friendship was, would survive it? it the same.
1: energy of frustration might have been in there a little bit more than people... <laughs> and, um, And I think, at that time, we were thinking, well, we would do this, but we also have this other idea we've been playing with for a few years, just kind of waiting for the right time. And it seemed like a good time to sort of try it out and see if there was any interest in trying to figure out if there was a way to match strangers who knew a craft with projects that needed a finisher. So... um, we already knew what it felt like to do that for someone that we loved, but to 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 bring it kind of to the next level and have strangers start to do this for one another, um, it just was very appealing to try to see if we could make that work and to see what kind of interest there was in that. Um, and I love, I personally love getting people to do things for each other. I love it. Like, um... <laughs> not in a tricky way but like to just try to like make that pathway towards being generous to other people easier like open that up so that it's not complicated and was there a way for us to try to make this to make a tool where people could maybe try this out and so um shortly after that we went our separate ways back to our homes and just for kicks. We made a little website. Um, the little website that we still have, <laughs> and put in some Google forms and just tried to start to fish around and see if anyone was interested. Like who would sign up to become a volunteer and who would maybe submit a project to get finished? And um were there, you know, we we try to we didn't have any funding or anything at to do it so we just tried to get creative with how we could try to get in front of people and ask if they were interested and so we were in a couple i mean we put some stuff on instagram and we talked to
2: some people and and reached out to some guilds and a couple of yarn store owners had heard about us and 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 had talked about us on their on their facebook page and things like that um and then um Yeah, just like trying to get word of mouth. And we, by just doing that, we got about 150 crafters in Maine and Seattle saying, yeah, I could, I could sign up for that. (laughs) Um, And, and then we have my hairdresser, her her daughter is the weekend news anchor at King Five, which is, uh, her name is Madison Wade. And she uh, wanted to do a story, I asked if we, she wanted to do a story on us because it, seemed like a good idea and then uh when that happened we had an influx i think we had 500 finishers and we thought that's pretty spectacular and probably got another 20 projects from that um and then we did a local story in maine where we got more more mainers signing up and a reporter here in washington state found our found or saw the story and uh wrote an article for the Washington Post and that kinda kicked off uh the where we are today. I, I would have to I think it's Caitlin's fault.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Caitlin. <laughs> um yeah. So that yeah. that started the ball barreling down the hill hill. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I mean, and, and it's it's amazing. I mean, now we have 16,000 finishers Holy easily cow. in 58 countries. Um, we have matched projects in Scotland, in England, in Australia, in New, New Zealand, I think we've got one. Um, in Canada, we've got a bunch. We had a, and early on, we had a, a woman from the Czech Republic uh, call us to talk to us and she did a story and it was (laughs) when you google translated it was like granny's knitting needles flying for you
1: (laughs) what was was it yeah it was something like that it didn't make it didn't uh, make a lot of sense the translation didn't make sense It probably made sense in i'm sure (laughs) she was because she there were there
2: we found out there's only three yarn stores in all of the czech republic that was horrifying to me to find out. Hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's been, you know, it's a it's a nice story. People like hearing about nice things that that people are doing for each other, right? It's it's uh after all the stuff that's going on, all the division and all the the angry rhetoric, you know, you turn on the TV and then Lester Holt says, "Oh, and then these two nice ladies started this project." And here's a, here's a sweater someone knitted for their grandson and it didn't get finished, but now it's finished because some, some stranger finished it for them. It's a, it's a, it's a
1: reminder that there's people out there that are willing to do some nice things for you. All you have to do is ask. Yeah. And one thing we're finding is that it's not just a small thing. Like craft is everywhere. Like it is, it, it. Um, will match people who do knitting, crochet, sewing, needlepoint, quilting. I mean, you said that you use, make leather costumes, right? Like if, if, if you were to drop dead, we could probably find a finisher to finish whatever that costume is right now that you're working on. Like there are people who have signed up with every craft. Yeah. Um, every,
2: what's that? There are a lot of Ren Fair people who participate in like Ren Fair cosplay and things like that. Who who craft?
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, and we're finding that crafting is, I mean, it's it's fifty eight countries have signed up, and people from fifty eight countries, from every state in the U.S., from every Canadian province. It's not. You can't um, classify crafters as any political, you know, party Hmm. or any religion or any of the things that are separating and dividing people don't really matter. Yeah. If you think about it, like even the American flag can
2: be polarizing these days and a rainbow can be polarizing. Yeah, Knitting isn't polarizing. People knit. People knit all kinds of stuff. People craft all kinds of stuff um uh, and nobody can claim it as just one one person's thing the people who who do these crafts come from all over the place it's amazing
1: everywhere yeah, and they're so- doing things for one another without any regard for what the other person's beliefs are in any way like they're really meeting each other in a place of respect for loss you know and um, and a desire to bring comfort to that person and to finish the craft that their loved one began. And it isn't about anything else and we don't we don't know, we don't even know what that stuff is. Like mm-hmm. we don't ask those questions of people who sign up. It's, so it's really just meeting each other in this place and there's so much craft and so many people understand, how meaningful it is to have this tangible thing that their loved one was making for them, you know, like finished. So yeah. There's this, here's this tangible piece of their loved one that they intended to make for them um, with their DNA all over it, right? Mm-hmm. They were touching that the whole time they were making it. And um, and there's this kind of respect for that that we haven't had to try to make it's just people automatically have it's been really really cool to see so That's i it. think we
0: we dove in interesting i got so many notes too many notes but one thing you said it was a mm-hmm. project but to me it feels like more of a movement you've got sixteen thousand finishers 58 countries it seems it seems so much bigger than to call it a project but one thing i noticed is we never gave the elevator pitch of what Lucens. Actually isn't done. <laughs> we jumped right in and just started talking about so we're using words that people have no idea like what a finisher okay. is. So, so give, Sorry us, about give that. us no give us the we elevator pitch.
1: <laughs> okay. Loose ends project. Um, it's an organization where um, finishers of craft projects are matched with projects that have left been left behind by people who have either passed away or who can't finish their handwork due to um, like health decline or um, disability. And so um, Jen and I matchmake the finishers and the projects to each other um, um, so that they can get completed and then returned back to the family or friends they were being initially made for. Yeah. That's the elevator pitch. <laughs>
2: it- and these are the things we do not do. We do not do things like if you just decide I can't finish this. That's not that's not. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of work in progress that I have that I'm never going to finish and I'm going to leave a note with it like don't bother. This is not for you to finish. I gave up. Um and we also uh a lot of people are like I've got all these projects and you just finish them and give them to somebody. We don't we don't do that either because our our finishers are taking time out of what they would be crafting to finish something meaningful. They're not going to just do something that gets thrown away, um, right? They, you know, they've come to us because they want to help someone who's grieving. Um, and there's lots of places that'll take donations of stuff and you know things like that. If if uh, if you don't want them back.
0: Hmm. Do you guys still finish projects now or do you spend most of your time just the, with the matchmaking
2: piece? Yeah, the latter. Yeah, just matchmaking. Um, In fact, I've got a sweater that my friend Nikki asked me to patch for her that uh, she gave me two years ago that I'm probably never going to do. So I'm going to have to give that back to her.
1: Find her at Taylor.
0: It's calling yourself out right here, uh, on the air.
1: Right now. I know. It's good it. to be on. We have about a 1 to 12 ratio of projects to finishers right now. We have about 16,000 finishers. We've had about, we can't really, it's harder to quantify how many projects, but between like probably between 1,200 and 2,000 somewhere. Um, So that means that there are like 14,000 people waiting for a project to do. And everybody's waiting with various degrees of patience. Some people are, could wait forever and they're just happy to be part of you know, the talent pool. And some people are anxious to get started. And um, so it, in, we're, all throughout this past year, as we've been growing, um, sometimes fast, sometimes more slowly, After like after a big press thing, we'll get a lot of people all at once. It still always winds up being that same kind of one to twelve proportion of projects to finishers. So, and it has to do with
2: the people who leave these things behind. And they might be the only crafter they know. Some, some, sometimes it's an isolated thing. There are people who go to knitting groups and quilting bees and things like that. But there's also people who do these crafts on their own, um, and they might not. It, their families might not recognize what they left behind. A lot of times uh, in the past, I've been given bags of somebody's stuff. And because I'm the one knitter, somebody knows because I knit in public a lot. And uh, you'll go through those bags and find half finished projects. And yeah. and that's when when I would finish stuff for people in the past. But it just speaks to, you know, the crafters know what they see. They, they know that these things are all around this. Um, the non-crafters in my are the ones that might not recognize what it is, so it's harder for them to understand what it is. So when they get a, when they hear a podcast, um, and that's not craft related, and it's somebody who's not a crafter, when that those kind of articles go out, it it helps people say, "Hey, I think I've got a bag of some stuff and of my mom left behind." Um, sometimes people just have the pieces, and you know, uh, one of our volunteers just recently didn't tell me this story but just recently posted that when her mother passed away she was she was working on a uh, a needlepoint pillowcase for her for her daughter-in-law um amy um posted this I, and uh yes amy. i did not know that until i know i didn't know either <gasps> amy uh-huh. is our monitor on facebook um she is the person who makes sure that people are playing nice on facebook and it's amazing to have her because we like, we could, we look at Facebook every day to just check on submissions and things like that. But Amy's the one who's like, yeah, you can't post that here. Oh, mm-hmm. hey, I'll help you. But Amy's passed away and Amy finished the project and they gave it to her sister-in-law for Christmas um, after her mom had died. And many tears were shed. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so people do this, but not everybody. So there's these projects that people are holding and they just don't know what to do with them. And we beco- we're this thing that they find uh, and, and help. And then there's there's other so- stuff where, I mean, so the the projects, all the people who make the projects are not always the best knitters and crocheters uh, in the world. But what they do is satisfying to them. So I know a lot of crochet, I, I know a lot of uh, potholder makers and dishcloth makers and... Um, you know, Chevron Afghan makers, uh, there are also projects that are just sublime and just these, like, works of art. Um, but uh, the one thing all of these have in common is there's somebody who wants that project finished because it's a tangible representation of their loved one, and, and that's why we do this.
0: Mm. So, and I know this experience is going to be different for every single person, and I'm assuming it's it's very different for the both of you, but I'm curious, I'm willing to bet the feeling you get is, maybe not as profound, but probably, you know, in the same ballpark of when you're a finisher and you finish an item and and see kind of that completed object reaching its final destination, you know, over to the to the person. I, I'm just curious if you could kind of, maybe describe what that feels like to to finish something and and see it see it go to its new home, Macy. Go first. (laughs) (laughs) Always waiting.
1: Well, I will say that um, I don't think that because Jen and I are kind of back here a little bit, matching, um, we do read stories as they come in. We do read about, uh, we do see some of the initial back and forth um, emails between finishers and project owners after we connect them. But after that, we kind of step back and we let that relationship happen separate from us. Um, And then we'll get updates here and there. And then at the end of the project, we get informed that it's finished. And then when we send out, we have a survey that we send out and that's kind of where we hear what happened. So we're not right in it with the finishers the whole time. We kind of hear it in the beginning and then we kind of hear the end and we'll get pictures. And I will say it, it is very moving um most of the time. Um to both to witness the beginning of this relationship that's starting and to just as witnesses to like I guess to just to, to read and to see how meaningful it can be for someone, especially someone who's had a terrible loss, and especially if it's been more recent, or a child, Uh um, or a sister, or, you know, um, it can be really, really emotional. And um, I mean, Jen and I, often cry when we read some of these things because you can't not if you're a human being, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and yes. and okay. I thought that I, I thought that I would be a nerd to the
2: to the feeling. Like you get a lot of thank you so much, this is so wonderful, this is so great, but like and I'm kind of like I don't know, sometimes I feel like I have to hold it at an arm's length a little bit because it's just so much. Um, it's everybody's loss and you know, yeah. you hear how how horrible it is to lo- to miss your mom or how horrible it is to miss your child. And it, it it's uh it's a lot to take in. I um but it is lovely to see these people reach out to um just just reach out to a stranger and, and fix it. And I have a lot of finishers who will say how they didn't expect to be so touched by it and and in finishing the project and handing it back, they, they get very emotional too, which yeah. is amazing. Um, we have had some that made me laugh though. I, I think the the ugly blanket for that grandma made for everyone was my favorite. We had somebody who was like, grandma made an ugly blanket for everyone except for Bob. And Bob's <laughs> was half done. Can you make, and I'm hoping that they told grandma that
1: the blankets were ugly. I think they were, they were cherished, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there are some funny things like, can you please take this person's name off of this Christmas stocking because they're divorced now, and we would like you to put this person's name on instead. And everybody, <laughs> okay, <laughs> Elizabeth said <laughs> to us, you <Well>, we want <laughs> exactly. Diane on there? Yeah, there's there's definitely some comedy. I would say that um, more than that, there's just it is it is. Sad. I mean, it's just it is often very sad and and happy. I mean, mm-hmm. the the connection that's being made and the finishing of the project is um, a way of it's very healing. And but I, for for me anyway, um, and Jen mentioned holding things kind of at arm's length. I think because we're going through you know a couple thousand projects, we. We we aren't internalizing all of that grief ourselves, but there's no way that we can't be affected by some uh, by a lot of the stories, right? Like there there are a lot of stories that, and we have to read them in order to match them re- well. And um, you know, people who you know just are the, are life life stuff that is just tough, you know, and um, moms who are killed, you know, or, you know, just it's not, it's not all, um, stuff that happened a long time ago and you found a bag with, you know, that's, that's you know, not even mm. to downplay what maybe something from 30 or 40 years ago, because that can be just as, as strong of a feeling. But yeah, there are some like real tragic things. And, and I think that we, are um, witnessing what we're hoping is a little bit of an alleviation of that pain just by knowing that there's a stranger who cares about it about you, you know, like and wants to try to to bring you that like tangible piece of your loved one back.
2: It, I, I, I would, I would say, uh, community building is one of the things. I mean, we are we are in no way grief counselors or. I mean, both of us are are very lucky to have both of our parents alive. I, until very recently, had a grandparent alive. Um, Our children are fine. Um, But there is a a certain amount of uh, community. I mean, the community that we're building is amazing. We've got these people who are just saying, I wanna help, and, and because of the way we match, we're matching people nearby. Some, I mean sometimes we can't because things are too hard to do and we need to have a specialist do them but for the most part people are finding people in their neighborhood that they might not have ever talked to that um that are willing to help um and that's just that that's a, a unifying experience that there's I mean there's helpers everywhere there's people who want to help and it's sometimes really hard to ask for help mm-hmm. and or to find it. Um, if you don't know what you're looking for, so uh, that's that's the beauty of what we're doing is we we're finding the help for people that they might not be able to ask for themselves. They're asking for some closure, uh, and we're trying to give it to them. And because sure. we have a unique set of skills, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's not quite a taken set of skills, but we have skills <laughs> that we can identify projects. We know how we can kind of gauge how long it's going to take to do something, and we can we can we can sort of see how, how, um, what, given what people tell us about their experience and what they do, we can, we can see if something's a good fit. So Mm. I think we're getting better at it as we go too.
0: Well, I know you both got started finishing projects. You said kind of independently, you guys ended up doing this, like finishing, uh, for some friends. Do you still like the satisfaction or maybe the just the feeling you got from finishing for your friends do you still get a little bit of that whenever you make a connection for somebody
1: oh yeah for sure yeah 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 absolutely yeah
0: yeah so even though you don't get to finish today like well I mean it's almost like tenfold so before you might like the time that you were investing to finish one project you might be able to make connections for a hundred projects right
1: Oh yeah, we're making the connections and we're making those things get finished for sure. So I would say yes, but but for me, when I was, so for instance, I was finishing on my friend Susan's mom's sweater. And I remember um, she passed away during the pandemic. And I remember finishing, I remember holding her mom's work and it did feel different than matching people on my computer and and I, I can um, intellectually know that I'm matching thousands of projects to to finishers and they're all gonna get done. But there was something that felt really sacred about holding this woman's work and mm. finishing. And I remember talking to her, you know, I didn't mm. know her in real life, but I was like, I'm gonna do this for you, you know. um, I don't know if she heard or not, you know, but we don't know, but, um, but. There was something about like touching her knitting that and trying to finish it the way I thought she wanted to finish it, you know. And then, and then my friend was like, that color is not doing it for me. So we dyed it and it looks amazing now. But, um, yeah, I think that we're able to like exponentially me- make these happen much faster by just having us sitting at our laptops all day.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But there is something it, that does
2: feel. Something about, there's yeah. something about holding an object that somebody else made. Yeah. that's not there anymore. I mean, it's. Feels different. We were just talking to a woman who um, had the privilege of being at the Holocaust museum and she was looking at knit objects right. um that had been made because in uh the, during the Holocaust uh some people were made, forced to knit uh, and crochet to make items uh, out of yeah. out of, other, out of uh, materials that were left behind um uh, by force like they were not this was not a, a an act of you know love um and she she was talking about holding the objects and how powerful it was and i i can't imagine like i, I can only because of this experience i can imagine like what that was like and i think i started crying yeah. as soon as she talked about it cuz hmm. there's a, for about lack of a better word there's an energy that comes off of it right that yeah uh, for sure
0: yeah and i'm i'm assuming there's almost like a weight inherent to an object that has that much emotion connected to it, right? That you could—I mean, yeah. when you put it in your hands, you feel that weight. Yeah,
1: yeah, hmm. for sure.
0: That's interesting. You know, it's for me in my life. I've—I've—I I was a very shy, introverted person, and I avoided crowds and all that stuff as a young person. I'm—I'm not that person anymore. I've—I've I've summarily uh, beaten that out of myself. But um, for a time there, I was a wedding photographer, and it was this magic environment where. For one day, with this camera in my hand, suddenly I had this excuse to talk to people and become very close in these specially charged environments where I could, I don't know, like I could just almost become part of somebody's family, like instantaneously. And I was thinking, this almost sounds like like a magic totem, like when you accept this half-finished object from somebody to make this instant emotional connection with them and their family I mean it seems magical almost
2: yeah I I would I would have to agree It, it well it gives you um it's a privilege and and that's what I'm struck by we don't give our finishers talking points they sign up and they say I can knit I can crochet um And we, we give them some tips, like, you know, if, if you reach out to somebody who has an object and they don't talk, they, they're hard to get a hold of, you know, grief is like that. It's a, it's a push and a pull. And sometimes they, they go away. Um, We tell them to, you know, make sure they take pictures along the way and keep, let the person know what's going on. And we, you know, we give them a couple of tips, like put in, put in lifelines, which is a, a, a string that stops something from un- un- unraveling so that you can stop it where the person, um, so you don't lose any of the original crafter stuff. But what I am struck by is when I do do connect these people online, I get to see them respond to each other and then I let them go. Um, almost a one, the finishers are always like, I'm just honored. I'm so honored that I can do this. And they put it in this, like, such, they give it such reverence, like, you know, I'm. I, this is this is such a special thing that I'm being asked to do, and they really take it as that, which is why we do have people who are like, "I want my project. Give me my project now." And it's like, you know, because they want to be in that situation where they they can uh, they can give back to somebody. I mean, we're all we don't always have an opportunity to do something for someone else that is something they truly need. How many of us have said to somebody who's who's uh, family member has has passed away or is going through a hard time. Hey, just let me know if I can do anything for you. Um, and that that seems hollow, even though you mean it. But you you couldn't think of anything, so you're leaving it to that person to think of something. This is something that we know that they had a need for, and we can we can fix. And it's kind of a uh, it's
1: special in that because I don't think we always see what people need. Mm. And Greg, you mentioned um, being an introvert and having this opportunity behind the lens to be part of this day, right? Like part of this like beautiful experience. Mm. And um, what we're noticing too, is that giving people this opportunity to to donate their time um, to an individual that they are gonna get to know like a little bit, at least if not in person, they're at least gonna be emailing them. Um, all of those introverted crafters who don't necessarily want, who might be in their happiest, happy place sitting on the couch with their (laughs) in their lap or their quilt or whatever, um, maybe don't want to walk into a big crowded like event where they might be able to volunteer, but still deserve that That feeling of having given back to their community in some way, and it feels good to everybody. Even introverts like it, right? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as it gives you a chance to, as an introvert, give your give your skills. Like there, you know, there's no there's a low barrier to you don't
2: you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to go and do the extrovert thing of going and asking the person what we nice. do. Um, uh, I, I am not an introvert even a little bit.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> but so, uh, there's a, there's an article, like a science article that's going around right now that says talking to strangers makes you happy. And it, the article is about this psychologist who found that the, when she said hello to the hot dog vendor on campus, when she was getting her PhD, she felt happier because you had this little low risk uh, interaction with a stranger. Um, and this is a big risk interaction with a stranger. You're taking a, a, something really tangible, but it's those interactions that actually spike our happiness. It gives us a, a spike of, of oxytocin. I think that's the right word. Uh, it's, the, it's the hormone that releases in your head that, you know, like a dopamine um, flush. That makes you just like feel happy. You got to do something good for someone else. Um, This is akin to that, but even more intense because it's such a personal thing. Um, And you know, I think I think there are a lot of people who don't have. Maybe they live really really disconnected from a lot of people. Maybe they're whether it be isolation due to geography or just isolation due to the fact that they're they they don't know they're introverted and they don't. Don't talk to a lot of people so it's uh yeah i think we do give introverts a chance to feel that uh where you know extroverts are just going around talking to people all day long and making them tell them things which i (laughs) I do you
0: know i i i love the idea that i actually i remember some research that i saw one time uh, that they performed at a a college campus and they they had a bunch of envelopes that had five ten and twenty dollars in them and so half of the students, they would measure like, how happy are you today? And they would give them an envelope and the envelope either said, spend this on yourself or spend it on somebody else. And then they came back the next day and measured them, like who got happier, who stayed the same, who went, you know, I guess, negative. And they universally found that people who spent the money on others increased their happiness across the board, whether it was $5, $10, $20, it didn't matter. Just the fact that they were doing something kind for somebody else increase their happiness and uh, I found that to be so true for myself but yeah like um I was talking to somebody the other day and they were you know the the old saying of you know you got to fill your cup first and make sure that you're taken care of before you give to other people and I said you know what my cup's pretty much always full nobody ever asked me for anything you know but it always makes me feel so good to to help others so the idea that there's this system by which i can i can go in there and you know potentially help other people when i i get maybe i while i'm six foot three bald and i got a giant mustache people aren't clamoring to come and talk to me i, I guess I, I give standoffish vibes but um for those of us that uh that do like helping i think it's so cool that you've engineered this way uh for uh for the uh, the outcasts to uh to still get that feeling too.
2: <laughs> Not an outcast. just differently abled. I mean, it's really like, it's just people that, that it wouldn't occur to them, you know, like it. I think when, I think that's the response we've gotten from people has been so like, you know, you tell people and they start crying and you're like, oh, oh, sorry. Um, the, it's, it's, uh, It's it's something that everybody can do, and and I think that just because you're not someone who talks to strangers doesn't mean you should be left out of doing good. So,
1: join us. You make costumes. You can. uh, can I know. I just wrote down in my notebook. I wrote Greg finisher question mark. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) days!
0: Oh my (laughs) days! You guys are you guys are uh, always on the prowl. I see. No. Well, <laughs> all
1: right. Well, I mean, do you
0: do you envision do you envision a time where you guys are so busy that you step back even a little bit further and you have uh, people do the connection piece for you, or is that like so is that like so important for you to 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 keep in between the two of you?
1: Yeah. So no, we're gonna get too big for that. Um, but the hope is that we'll be able to eventually, once we have enough funding that we'll be able to hire somebody to help. Um, And we're already at the point where we could use that kind of help because it's... But I think that Jen and I will always at least... uh, I was talking about this this past weekend. Um, Like maybe we just take one or two a day each and let somebody else do the rest just so we can keep... um, kind of stay into the heart of it all, which is where all these stories are and where all the projects are, but at the same time be able to grow the way we want this to grow. And it's right now just two of us and our amazing board um, and Amy in our Facebook. So that's it. So we are hopeful that we'll be able to um, get some help with that, but I don't think we'll ever completely step away from that part of it because it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Mm. It's really hard. I think it's, um, you know, important to to stay connected to that kind of, like, loving energy that's really at the center of all of this stuff. And if we were completely separated from the stories and the matching, I think it would be a little bit of a loss for us to not have that plus it starts to it fuels our um fatigue like it fuels our our long weeks to be able to know like we're, why we're doing this we're doing this for these people for all of the people involved um, and that's why we're spending so many uh long nights and weekends and you know, and we're—I mean—and we're
2: also coming up with better ways to do it. Mm. We initially thought we could make like a marketplace, like go help these people. Um, but I, I think, and as we get easy, uh, right now it's—it's it's very late. It's very manual process, and I think as it becomes a less manual process, it will be something that I'll feel more comfortable with people doing a little bit more. It's. Right now, because, because it's so manual, I don't really feel comfortable just dumping it on somebody else. It needs to be something that we, we think about and make sure it's done correctly.
0: Yeah, for sure. Quality control. And um, yeah. you guys have a system and a method. And I, I can understand the uh, reticence to let any of that slip, you know, as it were.
1: And yeah. Yeah.
2: But as we get bigger and as we're different, like countries with different languages, uh, we're going to need to figure out how to do that in a culturally sensitive way too. I mean, we had somebody making a, a flyer for us to speak to the Thai community and the comment was made, oh, oh, I found some different pictures of stuff that they do that would make more sense because it's a different, there's some things that people handcraft in our community that might not be out in the rest of the community. And it oh, was something I hadn't thought about. Um, so it's, you know, we, uh, as, as we grow, we want to make sure we're including other people that we didn't think about. And how do we, how do we grow? Because we don't know all these different things too. So yeah. I don't think we're ever going to give up the, the hands on this, but I think there's going to be a time where we're going to we're need- to share it. Yeah. yeah. Just
0: more hands. I yeah, more
1: hands for sure. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. You know, something you were talking about. Um, I don't know whether this would be a good idea or a bad idea, but we were talking about the whole process mm-hmm. of you connecting people, and then you've got your finisher connecting with what do you call them? The finishy, the requester. What do you guys call that person? The
2: project, project learner.
0: Project owner. Um a little. Yeah, like I could envision uh, a podcast or a video series where you you follow you follow that journey between a finisher and a, a project owner and kind of the correspondence and then ultimately the culmination where it comes together oh my god dude I don't know that I could handle uh watching or listening to one of those every week but you know when I feel like having a good cry I could I could definitely see uh, that's
1: our dream experience podcast that podcast is our dream we've written it down on our um business plan and we're, we're hoping to be able to do that someday. When we are not just two people working seventy hours a week already.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, the holy cow, would that be powerful?
1: Yeah. wow thanks More. for saying so. I think yeah. I think so too. I I really want to be able to do that too. I mean, we're dreaming about that.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, because it's. I mean, obviously, from helping you guys grow, it would be great for marketing and stuff like that. But just the. The things you already talked about, how you give basic advice for dealing with people who are grieving and stuff, like I think it could be amazing, uh, amazing for other people to see that. Uh, uh, and know little... that
2: that advice didn't come from us. We've got people who are grief counselors that talk, who give us ideas for how to word things and things like that. Just mm-hmm. they don't think we're what? playing suit like Idris. No, so we no. are not. <laughs> what
0: I what I've learned is everybody is a a conglomeration of of everybody who's been kind enough to give you advice or or teach you something, right? So, um, you know, I I didn't figure you guys invented it all on your own, but it's nice. (laughs) It's nice that you have collected these things and are giving back, and I can see that as being something Mm -hmm. uh, cathartic and educational at the same time. And um, I've heard people, a lot of people say, you know, um, uh, I met this person who went through the same thing as me, and it really helped me, or, man you know you're talking about grief somebody I, I met just recently liz said um when uh you know she has somebody a friend of hers or family member or something like that that passes away the the person that they go and visit they say uh, instead of if i can do anything for you help me she says she offers can i cry with you can we just you know sit down and i was like holy cow like <laughs> that is huge it was like i want to be able to do that i don't know that i can always handle that but uh you know just small little pieces like that i think for people to hear are are amazing um and you don't just magically learn them right those have to be kind of donated to you by somebody kind kind enough to give you that advice
2: but but everybody can learn that that's that's the thing i think people i i think that it's not that people are born with empathy or they're born without it you can learn empathy um you you can you can expand those muscles and and it just
1: takes some time well well and also maybe not everyone's a crafter but everybody's gonna lose a loved one right or has and so if once that happens to you you know what it feels like and so you automatically know better how to be with somebody else who's going through it right like um unfortunately, right, it's just part of the fun of being a person. And um, we are noticing that um, a lot of the times when we make these connections between finishers and project owners, you know, the project owner is the person who comes with the story, like my loved one was making this. And this is something they tell us about that person and their relationship with that person. But what the finishers are bringing is that same kind of stories. Like they're they're bringing the same stories because they're also people who have lost people like because they're people and that's mm-hmm. what we have to do, right? So um so um we're seeing a lot of times when we make these connections that um finishers will as soon as we connect they'll email and say, you know, introduce themselves and say this is why I relate to you. Like they you know, I lost my mother, too, in the same way. We're finding a lot of people are really, you know, it's not like a finisher and a project owner that are in a different place. Like, a lot of times they're, they've are they had a, a very similar experience, you know? And um, I don't remember wh- why I started ranting about that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, oh, but learning empathy. Unfortunately, we learn a lot about how to love each other that way by losing people we love, right? Yeah. It definitely grows. Yeah, yeah, I think
2: some people are expert are experiential learners. They they have to go through it to, to to know it, which is unfortunate. Um but it's it's what it's how some people learn. Um I I learn that way sometimes. Um and it you know once they've gone through it and they get it, they're like, "Oh, of course, I want to help." You know, this and we do find them getting a lot of closure out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if they get closure. They're getting they're getting um, some reward from the experience.
0: I think in, in regards to experience, experiential learners, uh, the lessons stick the best when I experience them when I do them with my own hands or. I, I do those sort of things. Um, I'm a little neurodivergent and sometimes I don't always know how to react to certain situations and things like that. And so usually the best way I know how to react is when somebody tells me the correct reaction and then I get practice and then it becomes part of me. And so sometimes the big things, the important things, if I can hear it from somebody else, I can learn it. Right? And then I'm, I'm better prepared. As weird as that sounds, yeah, um, it sometimes sense. that works.
2: Yeah, no, I mean if you if you look at people with, uh, I used to as a teacher, we had people who uh, were on the spectrum and had different different places on the spectrum where they were, and they were given scripts a lot of times. Like, what do what do you say when someone says this? What do you say? And um, those kids had so much empathy. It, it turned out, and it was when the people went off the scripts that they got into trouble because you know not. Not even people who aren't on the spectrum don't always stay on the scripts, and and even though we've taught these other people that this is this is appropriate when you know, so it's it's interesting um, because we spend so much time telling neurodivergent people to be normal and to this is the normal behavior, and when they get into troubles when when other people aren't doing the normal thing, so it's not <laughs> <really fair. laughs> whatever our, just what we decide is normal.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, or uh, uh, unoffensive is usually uh, what uh, I am it. for with my kids as well. So, <laughs> like do. You don't always have to respond in the way people anticipate. As long as you know you don't make it worse, let's try. It. Let's shoot for that. See if we can go that <laughs> route.
2: I think I think not making it worse is a really good way to be. You know, like okay, will this make it worse or better? If it's not, <laughs> if it's not going to make it better or not impact it in a bad way. Yeah, you know, that's that's when you want to do it. Right. Ah, teenagers.
0: Yeah, they're they're quite literally insane. Mine are anyway.
2: Um, you tell need you a prefrontal cortex that's fully formed, <sighs> and they do not have that. So I
0: know, I know, and I've got three boys, so I feel like it's never going to happen. Um, but <laughs> I digress. You guys have been so generous uh, with your time today. Obviously, that's kind of your thing is generosity with your time. I, I don't know why I would say it like I expected anything different. Um, mm. But right here at the end, I like to, well, I mean, obviously, thank you for your time. You guys are amazing. Like, to me, the greatest gift anybody can ever give me is their time because it's the one resource, I mean, that's finite. And um, if there are some ways, I have a feeling um, I know a couple of them at least, uh, how you'd like people to interact with you online or anything you'd like to promote what would that what would that look like what would that be where do you want people to go how do you want people to find you
2: well uh, we have a website which is the looseendsproject.org. Uh, they can come and see us there and there they can sign up to be a finisher they can submit a project or if they feel inclined they can donate uh, we use a platform called zephy which is a non-profit platform where you can make a charitable donation and there is no charge to the charity um, so we like to talk about them when when we have a chance because they um, they provide us with using credit cards without any fees which is a big deal for for people who get donations of five ten dollars at a time so um that those are those are always if you know of some grants that uh we'd like to that you think would work for a, an organization like us that'd be great we'd love to hear from you if you know how to write in a different language and you think that a flyer needs to be made um we are grassroots people
1: um <laughs> whatever someone us. says what i would say yeah also follow us on social media we're on instagram facebook and ravelry yes we're trying to get bet
2: uh be more uh more present on Ravelry, which is a, a it's like Facebook for knitters and crocheters uh, oh. and fiber artists. So it's the world's largest database of all things fiber arts, um, and it's free. Yeah. Um, we yeah, I I like to remind people that it is us. It's Macy and I and our board and and Amy, and uh. Our web developer team that is donating all their time to. So, if they're, uh, when I get an email that says, you should do this, I say, that's great. How can you help us do that? Because um, it's it, for two it's people. A, this is for group project, people. Everybody <laughs> pick, pick, pick up a spade. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I had a friend who taught me this. She's like, when are they coming out with this? When are they? What, and the woman that I met, she runs a fiber arts it seems like I remind people that they is four people. So when they <laughs> get to it, they're going to do it. Um, so I remind people that they is me and Macy and a couple of very nice volunteers and 16,000 finishers. Um, but, you know, if we have people who've come to us and said things like, I'm a librarian. How can I help you? I know how to research grants. I was like, do it. Do that for us. That would be great. <laughs> you know, I, there there's so many people who want to help. Um, all you have to do is reach out and explain to me how you can be helpful, and I will find you something to do. I promise. I promise there's lots to do.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Excellent. Well, guys, again, appreciate you, and let me hit stop on all these recordings real quick.